Hey there, we're Those Sci-Fi Guys, and this is That Those Sci-Fi Guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, and um, yeah, still loving South Park. Got to be honest about that one. I'm DT Cavman, and every now and then I'll catch an episode and reminds me just how batshit crazy those guys really are. <laughs> they truly are. It takes a... It takes an insanity, a level of insanity to be able to put together the creativity that they have. And that's, that's no fooling. That's that's truth. The sheer balls that those two clowns have. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching South Park, particularly in college, a lot more. Just turn it on, especially if once you've been drinking. That was always one that, you know, if you had like three or four dudes over and just out a couple of drinks and South Park was on in the background. It usually got shit rolling. <laughs> I remember a whole group of us went to go see the movie from uh, here in town. Yeah, bigger, longer on cut. Yep. Yeah. But before that, we actually went and saw a basketball. I, you know, <laughs> all I got to say is, what? Yeah. <laughs> Not quite balls, but, you know. It was it was something. So, <laughs> well, doing well, man. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing okay. The uh, the cold and and weather has finally started to come in. Oh my God! It's a late. Uh, this winter was a late bloomer for some reason. I almost died on Thursday. I think. Really? Totally, totally slid four lanes across the highway. Oh God, that's scary as hell. Yes, it was. Did you, 4.30 did you in the morning. Uh, yeah, I must have hit something. The snow was coming down. And, of course, on a holiday week, we, we get bumped. So, you know, I can never have. Long weekends are really just a tease. So yeah, it's a end up working on really. Saturday. Yeah. So <clears> I, uh, I rolled out and, you know, I'm still doing the early shift. And I down south here, it was kind of rainy but once i got farther north it was sleet and snow and yeah uh, I was trying to reduce speed and move out of the because the outside lanes really tend to build up on snow mm-hmm. especially because most modern highways are kind of they're a little curved so water runs off the side right right it's supposed to be anyway uh, but whew, man <laughs> you didn't hit the side or anything the sidewall or so, you know, I managed to get just enough control Thank to like, turn me back in, and it, uh, it would have been bad if uh, I was if I actually did that on the south side, because down here it was three lanes. I got farther up north, it was four lanes, and that extra lane yeah. uh, kept me both safe and uh, not having to buy a new car. <laughs> well, small graces. Oh, dude, I tell you, I mean, and I I was trying to do the right thing, slow down, move over, just hit. You know, because sometimes on those lanes, too, like if a couple of cars, you know, you go by, but there's like that strip of gunk in between the lanes sometimes. And yeah, man, and you thought you uh, you thought you uh, got rid of your your uh, life threatening work when you left the service. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well on another weather related note we got two and a half inches of rain in 24 hours here 
which is unflipping heard of. Congratulations. Now oh my God. you're not an episode of Fire Country. No. Wow. And, and Snow Rain. Uh, I saw, I, I didn't watch that episode, the first episode, but I saw the promo for it. I'm intrigued. You can um, watch it all on Paramount Plus as you're back <laughs> watching Paramount. I'm back on Paramount Plus, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually inclined to keep paying for it to encourage Picard Season 3 and that behavior. So, um, well, but, I mean, uh, you you would gonna you were gonna watch Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. Let's just let's just that is coming up. That. This, yeah, that's true. But I was gonna roll the dice on the whole free thing. Yeah. Then in that case, I highly recommend Tulsa King. I know. There's so much to watch, man. Hey, man, I, he got his own Paramount Mountain commercial. No, yeah, I know he did. He actually got sneezed out of his own nose. <laughs> so he's so good in this show. Is, is there, I heard that they're moving it out of Tulsa. Well, I've never heard that. Maybe they're changing Maybe they're filming locations. I I didn't read the article. I just saw the 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 title where why Tulsa King got driven out of Tulsa. I mean, there is still connections to the New York Mafia, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Less we say about that, the better, in my opinion. Oh, just dude, my it's opinion. so good. It's so good. <laughs> well, anyway, um, not to mince words or anything. What brings us here today, DT? Uh, the advancements of 21st century technology. Actually, all 21st, 23rd, 22nd, 25th century all of that, all that technology. I think I think the original title that I, the idea that I had was the implications of sci-fi technology and how the writers fucked up the usage and didn't realize the ramifications of what they were making. Oh, or are you just talking <laughs> about times where they forgot about how their own technology worked? Yes, exactly. Like relics, perhaps. Well, I could forgive relics because, all right. Relics when the was it what was the ship the Reliant it wasn't the, the Janolan the Janolan the Janolan was stuck in between the the Dysosphere doors as it was closing and it was using its shields to keep the doors open the Enterprise beamed out Scotty and Jordy from the Janolan with the shields up I'll forgive that because you can beam through shields if you know the phase variants of it and that's an old ship very well documented what the phase variants of those shields would be. True. I just watched The Wounded today where O'Brien knew what Ugh. the variance was to being through. By the way. Exactly. Again, just such a great episode. Powerful writing. Oh, That's what I you get it. with powerful writing. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. You know, you don't need to have two Federation starships pew-pewing at each other. The most powerful and devastating scene was two men talking in the in an office. And singing. And singing. Actually, By the way, appar apparently that is a, a recommended watch on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, is it? Nice. Yes. Uh, much much more than Up the Long Ladder. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that that's banned in Ireland. <laughs> well, Brian, is it? I nope. knew there was an Irishman running. <laughs> what was it? I'm washing your feet. <laughs> 
my God. I mean, to, oh, what's God. the matter, William? Don't you like girls? <laughs> just so bad. Gorgeous. But they definitely laid into the old drunk husband and the shrill lady. Uh, like the the stereotypes of cinema in the 50s and, and the, 60s. The dirty Irish. The dirty Irish. The the. You know, they had smudges on their faces. Well, and, they were an agrarian society. And and barefoot and poor. By the way, if you like, want to actually know why the Irish were looked upon that way, it's all the English's fault. I've been reading – I was been reading a book about technically oh, – blaming, blaming the innocent English for all of Ireland's problems. Okay. How are we – Say whatever, Mac. You know what <laughs> Mac actually says for. Dude, <laughs> the commander of the Irish Brigade in the Civil War, Thomas Francis Marr, an Irish revolutionary banished to uh, Tasmania, escapes and goes to the U.S. and raises Irish-American troops to serve in the Civil War. Out of Massachusetts, right? Uh, New York. Uh, but oh, New York. some of the units did end up coming out of Massachusetts. Uh and who died a mysterious death in Montana. It's almost like I'm getting ready to read a Yellowstone prequel. Weird. But they they really talk a lot about why, well, the, the English's oppression and then why the famine struck Ireland so hard. Oh, well, England really totally fucked over Ireland when it came to the famine. On purpose, too. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah, totally. It was... It was... That's why they called the, the the it was genocide basically. Yeah, yeah. That, that was another reason why the huge I, Irish uh, diaspora during the the middle part of the 19th century. Where, That's where we can trace my family lineage, like my my surname. Fam- I know. I mean, all of all basically all the Irish people in New England. You know, <laughs> but I would say it was a the second majority. wave. It was the second wave that we could trace my lineage to, yep. but that's all I know. I don't know who it was. I don't know what ship they came on. I know nothing. By the way, I am uh, descended uh, three, two generations removed from O'Brien's. So, no. Oh. Well, there you go. So yeah. maybe you're an ancestor of O'Brien's, or a cousin. An ancestor, but it would be like the cousin. A removed lineage. cousin, yeah. Unless yeah. our families moved back across the sea. I'm a removed cousin from General Nathaniel Green of the Revolutionary War. Not bad. He was pretty good. Yeah. He was the guy Except in the he, South. Well, he yeah, he did the campaign in the South, and then he decided to stay there. And we don't know. And by the way, I'm not descended from him. I'm saying that he was a cousin of an ancestor of mine. <laughs> but he decided to stay down in the South. Uh, he was rewarded. He was rewarded land in the South after the revolution was over. So, <laughs> hey, if somebody gave me a shitload of land, I'd probably stay too. Yeah, you'd buy tractors, right? In the 1700s. Well, I mean, I'm as sure as a wealthy landowner, I could afford to pay good help. Sure, there's that alternative too. <laughs> so. Speaking of technology and tractors, <laughs> we're moving on. Now Mac is going to sing a wonderful rendition of Jason Aldean's Big Green Tractor. 
Oh, shit. I don't know that one. I'd probably hear. I'd know it if I heard it, probably. <laughs> or perhaps Kenny Chesney's well loved. She thinks my tractor's sexy. She thinks my tractor's are sexy. <laughs> First time I ever heard that, he did it live at Foxborough Stadium. Oh, we didn't see Chesney together, did we? We did not. We saw. No, I keep thinking of um, Urban. I think we saw. Yeah, Keith we Urban. saw Keith Urban. We saw the Brooks and Montgomery Dunn, Gentry. Yeah, Brooks and Dunn and Toby Keith, Keith. And Toby Keith. And Toby Keith. It was four. It was a four feature c- concert. Yeah. Well, that was God the tour damn. at the time, and you know Keith Urban had just come out, and then uh, you know Montgomery Gentry was only a little ahead of them, so yeah. they didn't have a ton under their belt. But when you look back on it and go ahead and just say, "Oh, I went to a concert that had all four of these people on." <laughs> Dude, nowadays that would be like a half day concert and it would cost you Thousands. you might want to sell one of your kids. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that was a get on get in on the ground floor kind of deal. Well, you know, Great Woods always put on excellent shows. That is true. That is true. <laughs> but they never made yes. it to the Stark Expo. No, no, we didn't get to see the repulsor engines or um, the arc, the arc and the arc, arc reactor arc reactor. Thank you. Huh. Su- surprisingly, I don't really have much issue, many issues with Marvel technology, except for. All right. We're going to start America's with Iron Man. Shield? No, no. That thing doesn't erase actually- the laws of physics. <laughs> I'm actually going to give that one a pass because an alloy potentially could have some vibranium um, uh, characteristics in theory. But long shot, by the way, long shot. That's supposed to be an element, by the way, vibranium. I'm calling it an alloy, but... Well, it's... Cap Shield was an alloy. Yeah. Um, I think in the comics it was part vibranium and part adamantium, but... Yeah, it it was, but they couldn't use adamantium at the time in the MCU. They can, now they can, then they will. It'll be back. Uh, but in Iron Man 2, when Iron Man was slowly being poisoned, he needed to come up with a new element to be able to power his uh, arc reactor in his chest. And yes. he, can't, he, he, he his father had the element and how to make it, but he didn't have the technology to be able to put it together. But Tony was able to do it, right? Yeah, it was, again, with more square parts and stuff. Right. So as soon as Tony makes that element and he pulls it out of of the, I don't know, what the particle accelerator or whatever. Basically. And he's looking at that, that, that glowing triangle. I'm like, well, he's dead or he'll be dead in a week. Yes, you have brought that up before. Very uh, yeah, salty. I have. <laughs> I am salty about it because you can't make a new element in most circumstances because it's radioactive over 85 over, over, um, it's like over 83, uh, periodic, t- on the periodic table, anything over 83 or 85, it's radioactive. Unless you hit, like, the stable valley, which is supposed to be, uh, uh, element 115, potentially, uh, but then it's really hard to get those heavier elements in a stable condition, so element 115 lasted microseconds. Yeah, well, how do, well here's, here's what we know. We don't know much. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, 
Tony Stark would have had radiation poisoning. Remember when he's, they started doing the arc reactors to do clean energy. So clearly right. it was not radioactive. So. Oh, right. Okay. You're just going to write that shit off. Okay. <laughs> That's what the writers did. <laughs> I literally, we're watching the DVD, and I turn to my wife when he pulls it out. I'm like, well, he's dead. And she's like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, then I explained it to her. She's like, oh. And I turn to her, and I'm like, this is the problem when you know too much. This is, You can't enjoy things. <laughs> so. Hence why my military background has a tendency to occasionally pull me out of things. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> like, because you're in the middle of Enterprise Season 4, right? Yeah, I uh, just finished the, the whole um, Romulan drone ship arc. That was a good arc. That was a really good arc. Really good. The second appearance of uh, Riemann's mm-hmm. Valdor's Guards. Brian Thompson, a very underrated character actor who's been in a lot of Trek and such. The fact that you name these actors is just uh, shocking to me. Well, I've he was on Crusade. He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've seen him in quite a few things. So you just pick up. You're like, I've seen this guy before. So you want to look it up and yeah. You know, so he yeah. was he was the first officer of the Klingon ship when Riker went over. Oh, that was him, huh? Yeah, and then they. <laughs> and you you know I read the beta. I was reading the beta canon. And uh, they had uh, they built a, a series off of him. They they decided to do a, a Star Trek Klingon, where he eventually gets promoted to captain of his own ship after the Dominion War, and various Klingons of the past show up on the ship. And Kang, uh, hmm, a cola? No, no, Kang? they're all dead. Oh uh, no. no, like like. Karak, the uh, no, he's dead too by this time. Mm. No, like uh, the uh, remember, uh, here's a technology one. Remember the episode where Crusher hosts the scientific convention on board to look over the what is it, metaphasic shield? Yeah, tech, you know, the sun shield. Yeah, the the um, Takaran was working on that, wasn't it? Or uh, it was the Ferengi who then murdered the. Uh, Faked his death, the Takaran. Mm-hmm. Um, he faked his death so he could find his way into your stories. Because yeah. <laughs> my, in my my own stories, I named the big bad aliens Takarans, and I didn't know that I subconsciously absorbed that name. It happens. Don't, <laughs> don't beat yourself up. Well, um, you know, all the money that I got from those stories, you know, yeah. showed me. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the Klingon, who was very combative, who Crusher thought, initially thought was the murderer. Prime suspect, yeah. Yeah, she's the chief engineer of this Klingon ship. Okay. So, you know, and, oh, uh, Kern is on board this ship under his new identity. Remember Sons of Moog from Deep Space Nine? But he he doesn't have his memory of being a son of Moog. No, but his start his memories start coming back after a head injury. Oh crap! Yeah, that would be that would be a thing. It does end up causing problems later on, but I digress. Some great technology thrown around in many of these. And, but, and I'd be fine with metaphasic shielding. Continue. 
Well, metaphasic shielding came up in the descent. Didn't they take the Enterprise into the sun to destroy the Borg ship? Wasn't that Beverly yes. in command? Yes. And That's I believe correct. they've said it in this season of Picard. I missed it then. I'm not saying no. I just don't. I don't recall. Did they? Were they talking about it going into the nebula? I think so. Yeah. It would make sense because the nebula is such a hostile environment. Except the starships have been flying and hiding in nebula since the dawn of Star Trek. <laughs> this particular nebula is a oh, very hostile environment. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe uh, the, the forgetting theme, how the science works. The theme I'm talking about is like not necessarily how they, how they forget how the science works, like the cold fusion bomb in Star Trek Into Darkness, which is neither cold fusion, the warp bomb, and strange nor new bomb. The warp bomb of Strange New World. Oh, yeah. That's from the pilot of Strange New That's World. That's right. Yeah. Which, yeah, we talked about that. that about mean, how that was used in the, the Judith Reeves and Garfield Stevens book. Their last name are the Reeves Stevens. Yeah, the Reeves Stevens. Or, yeah. Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens. There it is. Yes. Who did come on board at the end of season four, uh, in season four of Enterprise. Which shows... It well, shows. Yeah. <laughs> Manny Cotto was doing a good job the last two seasons of, mm-hmm. of Enterprise. Which, uh, but so I mean, we'll talk about the cold fusion thing real fast. I mean, they said the cold fusion bomb to stop the volcano, and it basically like froze the volcano. When in reality, cold fusion is the ability to fuse uh, atoms together to create uh, an energy burst that can be controlled and it doesn't have to be let's see three million degrees kelvin Mm. like the center of a star because stars are all fusion true so you don't need to create the 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 heat of a star to create fusion you it's called cold fusion because fusion would happen at a lower temperature well sure yeah i mean i want to say the soviets claimed that they developed cold fusion of course, they would claim that. Tack, tack that up with the, the, the Chinese finding an alien uh, um, transmission, too. I'll believe it when I see it. Haven't seen it yet. I mean, they could have found an alien transmission. The way the Chinese government controls things, it's probably just some, uh, you know, episode of Will and Grace cracking its way into <laughs> communist China. <laughs> It's their first. They've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> God. I so, say. But, but what I want to talk about are a couple items here. Gravity plating. Gravity plating. From what? From what? Just in general, they use gravity plating in all of Star Trek. Every single. We could talk about Federation ships just by itself. Every single floor. On a starship has gravity plating to create a basically, you know, 1G environment to simulate Earth, right? And then in Enterprise, a mirror darkly or whatever it was when they went in the mirror universe, we, I mean, when we saw the mirror universe, the Enterprise crew didn't go oh, there. Oh, right. When they, they trapped the Gorn by amping up the graph plating on the Defiant. Now, 
that was what that's what gave me pause. I was thinking about that. So if you can take the grav plating and amp up the gravity, that basically gives you limitless power. You do you know a lot why? Of power to be able to do that anyway. But do you know why? Do you, do you want to know where I'm going with this? Or do you want to think about you it for a easily, second? Or? You could easily crush your enemies. Well, yes. But the more gravity you focus in a single area, you can create a singularity. I.E., that's what powers Romulan Warbirds, by the way. Yes. <laughs> but you can create a singularity. When you create a singularity, you create a time dilation around that. So you can slow down time. Just with a graph, the graph plate design. Oh, didn't we see that in, what was it then? Um, uh, Timescape. Uh, was it, wasn't why it was frozen in time some issue with the Romulan ship that the Enterprise was helping? The There was something about the aliens in the singularity that got caught. They slowed down time or something like that. I think it was. I, I got to go back and rewatch that and figure out what what was. There were there were time bubbles. That's what the thing was, and they all got stopped. They all got stuck in a giant time dilation bubble. But I don't know if that was caused by the singularity. But you're right. It very well could have been. But it doesn't work in bubbles like that randomly around. That wasn't the one of those episodes that I have watched a lot. I've yeah. seen it all the way through. I just can't like. I could quote you some episodes forwards and backwards. You know, right. that's just not one of them. That's the yeah. only time we saw a runabout in Next Generation, I believe. It was, yeah. Just but, to piggyback off of that cool Deep Space Nine that just, <laughs> that just turned on. So what I also want to point out, though, is if you could control gravity and thereby time, you don't need to have warp drive. Because you can use that gravity to warp space around you in and of itself. You don't need a matter-antimatter reaction. So, like, you okay. know, all those UFOs and stuff that we see, you know, going zigzag through the atmosphere, allegedly. And I'm going to use the USS Nimitz footage as an example. Oh, that was a great movie. <laughs> the final the countdown. Final countdown. <laughs> I did see that recently, actually. <laughs> but Kirk Douglas, uh, man. Yeah, it was. But you basically can use gravity to take you to wherever you need to go in an instant because space doesn't matter because you use gravity to warp space and it changes the, the entire area around you. So it's basically you want to get from this side to this side. You don't need to go this way or do it real fast. What happens is you pull the two pieces together and you step over and boom, space goes back to where it was. That's using graph plating. That's gravitational technology. Think about that for a second. The ramifications of to. that technology, the writers didn't even realize. Well, I mean, we got an int That's why you see more futuristic technology in like more kind of like near um, near future technology like 2001 a space odyssey there things rotating 
you know, to generate that gravity power. That's why the yeah. Earth ships in Babylon 5 yeah. have that. And I like that. That was good. I mean, you saw Babylon 5 spinning around and stuff, but you didn't see you didn't see the Mimbari ships spinning. Well, that's because, like, all the older races have figured some shit out. That was actually <laughs> the one of the agreements that they offered. That was one of the things, the technologies they offered in the season finale of epi- of se- season four mm. when they offered or the next to it was it was basically the season finale but they had one other like tacked on episode but that was the one where you know they formed the interstellar alliance sheridan resigns from earth force and you know they're like yeah if you join up you know you can share in the technology as a show of good faith we'll We'll uh, show you how to build your ships without the spinny shit. <laughs> without the spinny shits. <laughs> That's the technical term? <laughs> Comes from Latin. You, you Luddite. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Babylon so. 5, great show. Yes, I, I will admit. And that's an interesting thing. I didn't know about that lore, so that, that's interesting. Um, and then I'm, I'm trying to go back. I'm trying to... Oh, crap. Yeah, we also had that other idea, too. Um, I'm trying to go back to when I suggested this topic to you. I've got one other idea to talk about. Um... It was, and we can also talk about uh, lightsabers, too, because, whew, oh, here we go. Uh, oh, I talked about cold fusion and into darkness, graph plating. Oh, okay. Magneto. From X-Men. Not the MCU, but in general. You think he's got a fly that he's got a zipper? <laughs> Magneto was always characterized as one of the strongest mutants ever, right? I mean, he was literally told at level, he was a level five, which is one of the most powerful mutants out there, right? No dispute, right? This mutant goes up to 11. <laughs> but, oh, God, that's such a classic joke because it's so, it's, it's just so perfect. <laughs> No, but this goes this this goes to eleven. <laughs> but what what about if you have a louder one that goes to ten? This one goes to eleven though. <laughs> anyway, I don't think that Stanley realized the kind of character he was making when he created a character that controlled magnetic fields. Because it sounded like a good idea at the time, you know, some of the, a lot of these superpowers, when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, seem a little bizarre. Yes. And, and it is what, bizarre. What, what makes you bulletproof? What? I'm asking, what makes you bulletproof? I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm first of all, controlling magnetism. Sure. But. Yeah. Anyway, you're you're. you're <laughs> I mean, things I want to say, it's like all stuffed in my throat. 
Um, Use lubrication. That's what that's what I do when I'm stumbling. Mm. There's ah. there. There's good. There's a good retort that I'm not gonna say. So <laughs> for hey, the sake of both our friendships, keep, keep so. <laughs> going there, Magneto. So here's the deal. Magnetism is an element of the four fundamental forces of nature. Do you know? Do you remember hearing about that in high school physics? No, all? but I do remember learning about it in health class. <laughs> Please elaborate. I would love to know what those four fundamental forces are. Well, the, you know, some of us do have that certain magnetism that draws <laughs> you to us. Animal magnetism, a rapist wit. No, no, not a rapist wit. A rapier. (laughs) (laughs) Dumb and dumber, everyone. Dumb and dumber joke. Dumb and dumber joke, please. All right. (laughs) We're not glorifying any awful things, okay? So. (laughs) Oh, God. Now you've got me. Pretty quickly. Well, <laughs> use your magnetism to get it back on there. All right. So, quick, quick uh, physics lesson. There are four fundamental forces of nature in physics. Okay. There's gravity, which we talked about technically, and that's probably why the graph plating stuck with me so hard because gravity affects so many. Does it pulled you down onto it. It did. It did. Then there's the weak force. The weak force. Long story short, it's the force between. The electrons, the neutrons, and the protons in an atom, okay? And basically, the weak force can be affected and, and, and knocked out to create new molecules, okay? That's why it's called the weak force. But then you also have the strong force, which is the strongest force in all of nature, okay? That's the force between the, the, the quarks um that make up the elements of the electrons and the protons and the neutrons those can never be changed those can never be broke down easily okay but those those are those first three forces the fourth one electromagnetism yeah exactly you just you just struck a magneto pose uh (laughs) the thing is magnetism and electricity are both two sides of the same coin, okay? And if, what is what is magnetism? It's when you have um, a, a, a positive and a negative. What happens when you have electricity? You have a positive and you have a negative. When you have negative electrons going from here to a positive area over here, you create a magnetic force as those electrons move that area. So not only would Magneto be able to control all the metal – but he could technically control all the electricity as well in some form or another. Haven't they shown that in, in stuff? There was, I, I don't, I can't speak for the main X-Men, but I do, I can say that in the ultimate universe, in the comics, Magneto actually flipped the Earth's poles and devastated basically all of civilization. Yeah, well, he is always considered to be one of the most powerful bad guys in the Marvel Universe. And I think the Ultimate Universe, the writers decided to try to show that, which I actually appreciate that. But 
it also goes to show knowing that uh, Magneto is one of the four fundamental forces of nature. He literally is personification of it. We've never really seen Magneto's true full power, which is interesting to think about. Is it not? I'm getting a blank stare. Well, they do this a lot with ultra-powerful characters, like Superman always. He reigns in his power. So fine. Well, I don't know. Have you seen him? He looks pretty well-defined uh, to me. Uh, uh, there's very little rules on Superman. Some days he can bleed, some days he can't. I know what you're saying. I do. I, I And what you're talking about is writers... Nerfing. Writers convenience. Yes. So... <laughs> But quite literally, by nature, the writers didn't understand how much Magneto could truly do. Um, and he, he really would be probably, I mean, he would he would put Thanos to bed before he even got up. I could see he that. Would, he would I be able to that. destroy him. He'd be able to take Thor, knock him on his ass, and control Thor completely. Because of the lightning? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, it could be said that Thor would be able to control magnetism. Oh, maybe this is why the X-Men wear spandex, so Magneto can't control them. It's possible. It's entirely possible. Do you want me to knock that down? Because I'm not gonna. <laughs> You're already burying this podcast. Oh, that was, that was... I'm doing what I was meant to do in this life. Yeah. So. <laughs> now you sound like my grandmother. Well, now we're starting to sound like an episode of uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy. <laughs> or we're myth-busting over here. Well, we are. I mean, like well, I makes said, sense. the only Two reason why... Two facial hair, one guy with way more personality, and the other guy who's the total buzzkill. Unfortunately, you, you're still not distinguishing which one of us is which. Well... Yes, yeah. you really want to continue this show, be very careful with the words you choose in the next sentence. Well, obviously, I'm Adam and you're Jamie. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm just waiting for you to get, you know, to, to play with your mustache a little and come in wearing like a beret. Well, you see, Adam over here really doesn't understand that you have to use direct current, not actuating current and our alternative current to be able Which to apparently get... apparently, they're not friends. They are not friends. They are not. I saw they're, Mythbusters. They're not, they're not like hostile, state. but they're just not friends. No. Well, doing a show with someone who who is so, for 15 years, by the way, who, who is such the a, a polar opposite of your personality. I mean, you have someone with a very high emotional quotient, high personality range like Adam Savage. And then you have someone with a very low emotional quotient, but a very high IQ. I mean, both are extremely intelligent, by the way. But just Jamie just is on a different level. You're going to have a very difficult time having those two be truly compatible for a long period. That's just the nature of personalities. Love Mythbusters, man. I know. I saw them unleashed on, on stage back in 2015. It was awesome. I took my son. It was great. We showed a few ep uh, some older episodes we caught on like demand to our kids. She's like, "Oh, this is cool." 
it's like yeah and wait till the wait till you know you move into some of the the uh, later seasons where they get into some crazy shit like the property damage like when they accidentally fired a cannon off and like hit a house they told that story they were talked about that story on stage and um the audience laughed when it was brought up, but then uh, Jamie actually, ever the buzzkill, by the way, said, well, actually, that 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 cannonball actually went through a wall right next to a, a room where their daughter was sleeping, who was seven years old at the time. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> They're like, it was a pretty devastating moment for all of us, and it really had us reassess like what we were <laughs> trying to do here so <laughs> exactly it's so right now mac is out of the audience the, the technology yeah <laughs> <laughs> it definitely took the wind out of the audience so i mean clearly some of this technology that was used in movies and tv and comic books some of it had real life implications like the fact that it was much cheaper to do the transporter effect than it was to keep using those big shuttle uh, models. Yeah, well, let's talk about the, sh- the the transporter and the transporter effect for a second. Because would you – and yes, I understand completely. Yes, production-wise, it was smart to use the transporter system. Brilliant idea, and it's iconic. It's iconic. Stargate used the transporters, and they even said beam me, beam up. me up with – in homage to Star Trek, they even referenced Star Trek, like saying, well, can we just say beaming? I don't see why not. Well, Star Trek uses it. And they're like, well, we're not Star Trek, but the technology's here. All right. <laughs> so, like, they, they, they talked about it a little bit. So, would you use a transporter? Uh, I wouldn't volunteer to be the... Uh guinea pig but let's okay let's just say it's a very well established technology oh yeah most safest ways to travel would you use it sure you no can... i wouldn't my commute is brutal <laughs> i honestly would not use a transporter because i don't want to die and yes and that's the question do you actually die because there's some like being demolecularized and sent to a different point and rematerialized and now if you were here's the thing if you were to be able to take apart all the molecules and put them back together and all of those molecules kept that chemical memory maybe maybe but it's been established that the heisen buffers heisenberg buffers um and and the 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 generators maintain they basically upload the person's personality keep it in the computer destroy the body and then recreate the body and then download the personality into that brain within milliseconds so it's basically like well it it's kind of the replicator technology very much so. But why are you making that comparison? Because I think that was the whole point of like the 
shipping a bottle. I'm not. I'm not following. Well, they I'm were, sorry. I'm, they I'm just were, not following. I apologize. The ship in the bottle. The the return of Moriarty, where he was like trying to get out of the holodeck. Okay. And I yeah. want to say they were trying. You know, they were trying to use the transporter because of like it, and they said it has oh, like some similarity okay. to like, okay. technology or something like that. So. They did the best they could. Yeah, they were trying to use the transporter and replicator technology. But, see, that's the thing that's really not talked about. There's biomass that's that's used to create food through the replicator system. Poo. It is, it is poo, but... <laughs> they said it. Discovery. Yeah, they did. But they used that to create, to create the food... By the way, oh, gross. I mean, I would not eat a turkey from a replicator. Um, <laughs> yeah, you would. It's that or death. I'll, I'll just, I'll just take the MREs, please. No, you're not going to hand them out. Okay. Well, for starters, there are emergency rations, and you have a perfectly good technology being used here. <laughs> You might want to save the emergency rations for, say, when the replicators go offline. Uh-huh. All I'm saying, you're right. The, the And the Moriarty question is actually a very good question. They couldn't make it happen, by the way. They couldn't have uh, Moriarty and Regina. <laughs> it's very Canadian. Beam, Move on. I know. Beam into the real world. They actually had to do a simulated universe for them, which that that in and of itself is a whole other, you know, existential technology issue. Now, do you think but, that they're stuck in a box somewhere in the Daystrom Institute right next to Agamus and Peanut Hamper? We're going to find out. We're going to find out because apparently we're going to see Moriarty in Picard season three this year. So yeah, that, talk about it. <laughs> oh. That is a deep freaking. That was a deep pull in season seven of the Next Generation. Like, <laughs> was it six? Okay, so deep pull four years later. So I mean, yeah. Uh, one of the things I did like about things like that is that it showed connectivity back to the earlier years, like in Bloodlines, when Picard is being tormented by Bach again albeit in a yeah. different actor in better Ferengi makeup <laughs> yeah he's not Damon anymore Damon yeah which by the way once you got to Deep Space Nine you heard that once or twice and you never you almost never saw like a Ferengi marauder anywhere no always you those little shuttles those, but no <laughs> Which implies to me that the Ferengi uh, Federation, what was it called? The Ferengi Alliance. The It was the Ferengi Alliance, yeah. That the Ferengi Alliance was not really a central, it wasn't military-based. It was more like a, a makeup of all conglomerates by different businesses, basically. Yeah, and something tells me these Ferengi daemons and their Ferengi marauders were probably more of... Just privateers. Hired, yeah. Privateers are hired, hired security help or something on the in the interest yeah. of certain conglomerates and whatnot. But we digress. Um, oh, the Moriarty question. So, 
I was watching Enterprise. I, I told you that I've been doing that deep dive and the, the rewatch. I'm in the middle of season four, and last night I rewatched the episode where <clears throat> Enterprise uh, goes to the Barrens with Archer's old friend, um, a family friend, to uh, work on quantum transportation. Oh, what was that like? Icarus or Daedalus or something like that. It was Daedalus. Wow, that's off the top of your head. Jesus. <laughs> I had just looked it up. It was Daedalus. And uh, it was it Dr. Emery Erickson, played by the Bill wonderful Cobb. Bill Cobbs. Oh, my God. Just, I, I love that man so much. Like, <laughs> he's so good. great. He's so great. He's got, um, this, he's just got such a great voice. Oh, listening to him tell stories and shit. A great voice, great personality. Just he's just got when he's there, just people, you know, he just basically is the center of all the attention. It's it's fascinating to watch, and I, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Dr. Emery Erickson was basically secretly trying to find his son who had dematerialized in the transporter experiment. And Dude's still alive too. He's eighty-eight. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, God bless him. God, uh, the world's a better place with that man alive. Um, but uh, you know, they eventually find the his son who's in this metaphysical state, uh, and they transport him back. But his cellular cellular degenerations, his cellular signatures degenerated. And it was not going to manifest into a stable cellular structure. So as yeah. soon as he became in physical form, he died within seconds, which was very sad and everything. But in that episode, Dr. Erickson talks about he dismisses the idea of people saying that you die in the transporter. Like, it's been proven. You're not a copy when you're rematerialized. I'm like, oh, that's bullshit, because that's just the writers trying to Who said you know, that? snip that one. Dr. Erickson said that. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, wasn't McCoy famously didn't like the transporters? Yeah, he 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 tried everything he could to avoid them. That's why Data was taking him in the shuttle. I know. <laughs> but at the beginning of the motion picture, he comes in, he's like, God damn, like, <laughs> it just he's all grumpy for having to use a transporter in the first place. And he's. They Got beamed me out like, of the disco I was in. It was literally just beamed out of the disco. Big <laughs> chain, medallion, beard, and, you know, a bell-bottom leisure suit. Yeah, leisure suit, la- leisure suit Larry over here. <laughs> oh, <that>. Good Lord. <laughs> now, of course, there's also many examples of transporter malfunctions. Thomas Riker. Think about that. He, they made William Boimler. Yeah, they they did. I mean, that's literally it. I mean, so you're saying that you're not making a copy, yet somehow the transporter was able to make copies of these two people. Okay, exactly. So it's, so it's a twenty fourth century Xerox. <laughs> Does doesn't that terrify you? That I I would find that horrifying. I'd get a lot more shit done if there were two of me. Oh my God! You would hate yourself. I would hate myself. I would look at myself and I'd I want to. I already do. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would do everything with my power to eliminate him immediately. 
Because Worf is right. You would look at yourself and, sorry, just see everything you hate about yourself and take it out on them. Which I didn't understand at the time when that episode first came out, but that stuck with me. And in later later years, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. I don't know. Then maybe you do like a Mr. Manhattan and just have astral projections of you who can do shit. Well, if you're Mr. Manhattan, then you won't hate yourself because you're everywhere and nowhere at once. Oh. So, so like you're Jesus? Yeah, basically. Didn't, isn't that what they tried to say that he was? He was God? Or, you know. He was Bob. That's the difference. Was it Bob Manhattan, really? I forgot. Oh. <laughs> but I threw that in there. It's less sacrilegious. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so... But yeah, I mean, the transporter, I mean, I would still say that the question is, the philosophy is still questionable on whether you die or not in the Star Trek world in that regard. Well, I mean, clearly you don't die in Star Trek. Look at, look at, look at Tasha Yar. Look at Sela. I know. Jean-Luc Picard in his synthetic body. True. But, well, no, Picard died. <laughs> Picard died. That's a copy. We all know it's a copy. It's literally a transporter copy, basically. But not. They downloaded him into another body. It's like an episode of Futurama. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> oh, shit. What was I going to say? I was going to say something about transporters. Oh, I would use the Iconian transport systems. The gateways. Yes. I would use that. Because that basically is a metaphysical breakdown of space between two points in space. They use the technology like that. Well, I mean, they have those portals in the Sanctum Santorum, right? Yes. I just yeah. walk. There's those, of course. That I mean, and that's not including the portals that the, the wizards can make. The sling rings, yeah. And <laughs> in Legends of Tomorrow, they had some technology that opened like pathways and it was like walking through a portal yeah i mean i'm fine with great that sci-fi show by the way it legend i i bet it is i, I never i know they I, were it was able to be tell good stories particularly in its later seasons but not take itself too seriously a lot of times the best shows are those that have like good fun stories that don't take itself too seriously, but also have stakes. Yeah. Although I did just watch the wounded today and there was not an amusing stitch really in this episode. Well, Star Trek takes itself seriously, but it can also not take itself seriously. When you look at a classic episode, like the trouble with tribbles. True. But yeah, I mean, when you're dealing with like, I mean, we're talking about the, the legends of tomorrow. I mean that that the whole makeup of that show is not to take itself seriously and to have fun. If you but watch the stakes. first season, really, uh, yeah, it takes oh. itself pretty seriously. Yeah, it was kind of dark. The whole point of it was pretty dark. Not not I've, to dispute you or anything. I was under the impression from the 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 promos though that it, it was 
the opposite of that. But eh, I didn't see it, so I, I have no authority. Well, I mean, they, they did have some, <laughs> you know, they did have some humor still, but the first season was dark comparatively. I mean, there was still plenty of darkness in the other ser- in the other seasons. And they had characters die, but some of the later seasons, they just leaned into the hilarity. <laughs> the absurdity of being able to jump through time and space and all the ridiculous superhero shit that goes on. It it was good. It was a good show. And uh, basically, the CW will be missed. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't even finish the last season of The Flash, and this is the final season. And mm-hmm. I really liked that show. I just kind of fell out of it as I was doing some transitions to new jobs, new life, and just just I was I just wasn't able to catch up. I fell behind, and you had a lot of transitions within the last eighteen months. Yeah, Jesus. seriously. I yeah, mean, that's a lot. It's not like it's an invalid excuse. No. I mean, but there, I was able to start a new show like La Brea or, you know, other shows. Yeah. But again, some of the problems with that was like some of the shows that I watch, I can also watch almost instantaneously on one of the streaming services and not all the, like all the Arrowverse shows did end up on it, but it's not like, oh, you can watch it the next day. No. Right. It has to like at the end of the season, then you can binge watch during the summer to catch up. (laughs) Right, right. So, <laughs> I mean, like, if I don't get to watch last night's episode, and it just I just say I wasn't in a spot where I was recording anything, uh, last night's episode of Chicago Fire, I just wait till the next day and I can watch it on Hulu or yeah, one of those things. So, little tangent, but speaking about technology and watching patterns, I do miss the buffer zone of the summer to be able to get caught up on something. Well, you still there's can, no, but now shows are coming in on, in the summer all the time now. So it's like if you're interested in watching that new stuff, then that takes away the time to catch up on. Oh, that. I know. This is why you know. This is why I'm always like two weeks behind on shows after every Shark Week. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, which is what Shark Week is two weeks now, right? No. It's not, but like oh. I may not watch everything each night and then like spend a good chunk of the next week catching up on ones I see. There, there's right. I don't watch every one because there's going to be ones where I'm not interested in. Like I've seen the Jackass ones. Sometimes they're fun. Sometimes they're not. And you know, because <laughs> oh, my kid Jackass. likes to watch them with me. I don't always. There's some that we. Did not deem appropriate for younger audiences. No, not when they're in thongs, banana hammocks. No, I didn't just mean the jackass guys. I meant. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like the shark attack victim stuff. Oh yeah, the you know basically scarring your daughter from ever wanting to enter the ocean in New England. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. my 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 son refuses to go into the ocean now. I don't know what happened. Because he watched Shark Week? I don't. It wasn't Shark Week. We don't watch Shark Week. Okay, first off, shame on you. 
I know. I know. I know. I don't know what happened. I've tried to get it out of him, and he was like, well, there's a lot of animals in the ocean. And there are in central on the central coast in California. Like, you're out there swimming. There's a sea lion that swims up by you. I mean, it won't come after you unless you attack it, but... Like, you might not want to be swimming next to something's food, though. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. But you can get out into the water. You don't have to, like, go swimming out in the ocean. I don't do that anymore. I just go he out doesn't... and wade in and pull and you back just get into right the beyond shallow. the the break point, right? You just, just right beyond the break point so you're not getting the crap beat out of you. But uh, I, that's as far as I go, too. But it, my son doesn't even want to put his feet in there. <sighs> my daughter, though, she's like, teach me how to boogie board, daddy. I'm like, wow, you don't want to talk to me ever except right now. Cool, let's go. <laughs> Take wins where you can get them, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, wow, that's that, that's that's a surprisingly um, good word to go out on. Take wins wherever you can get them. Yeah. Well, considering we did like three technologies on this abbreviated podcast. But, I mean, it leaves the room open for more. I mean, did you have any thoughts? I mean, these are all my ideas. No, most of my stuff was more about like about people get, you know, forgetting the, the physics of their own technology. You know, the writers sometimes forgetting, oh, we can actually use this to get out of this situation. You did mention lightsabers earlier. Yeah. So did you ever see the the video of the guy that created a plasma lightsaber? <clears throat> I have. Yeah, I've, I think so. It's almost like a, a, a basically a long solidified um, blowtorch it's, flame. Basically, yeah. And it's like got one one thin carbon rod or it's not carbon, but it's a long, thin rod that comes out of the hilt. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's that's the that's the path that the plasma travels on. It's insanely dangerous. Like that guy was scared to turn that on. You remember seeing that and the heat that was generated from that. Now, I understand Star Wars technology is much well, more. Did refined. he use a refining crystal? No, no, I bet he did. He had a giant tank, tank strapped to the back of him. So he basically <laughs> created a cylindrified flamethrower. Oh, real big. I know, I know. We were using flamethrowers in World War One a hundred years ago. <laughs> a cylindrified flamethrower. Very good use of words, sir. Hey, I'm not just the good looks on this team. No. No, you're not. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I don't know. I remember here. I think it was. I, I think it was in a a, a a honest trailer for a Star Wars. It's like, face it, guys, we'd all cut our hands off. Yes, yeah, we'd all cut our arms off within a week. It's like, yeah, that's like most people probably would. I mean, you watch it in the episode of Mandalorian where Mando's struggling to control the dark saber and almost cuts his freaking leg off yep no it's true i mean it is a wildly impractical tool but i guess if you talk about use the force of the the force and being able to master it it's the discipline of the jedi as a blaster (laughs) 
Yeah, I know. But it's the discipline of the Jedi that is be able that is able to wield it safely. They also say that having the Force makes it easier to wield those things. That's exactly what I said. You said discipline. Discipline and the use of the Force. Sorry. Allows allows the Jedi to be able to wield it safely. We've seen other people not be able to wield the lightsaber somewhat competently. Oh, uh, Han Solo didn't cut his arm leg off. No. But if, but as long as you keep also, it pointed away from you. <laughs> that also leads to there's there's a fan theory that Han Solo is mildly force sensitive. Oh, please explain before we sign off. Well, it contributes to, like, the apparent luck he has. Like, when he's just looking away and blasting dudes at Maz Kanata's. Oh. You know, some of his piloting skills. I mean, he gets Greedo. Okay. I mean, that, that, that was just pure... Uh, you know, low that power force skills. Yeah. I mean, there are force sensitive people that don't wield the force. Well, yeah, there are some people who have sensitivity to it. It's it's like when Babylon 5 talks about levels of um, uh, telepaths. Like some people have low level skills that are, you know, they can get sense feelings, almost empathic or something like that. Right. You know, maybe a little spidey sense or something like that. Um. Or, you know, you have those who are full-blown telekinetics, you know, uh, telepaths. So, I mean, yeah, there probably is a level of, you know, power. Like, some people weren't as powerful in the Force as others. Your M count, so to speak, I guess. (laughs) Your M count, yeah. (laughs) Be kind of an interesting thing to discuss. Yeah, actually. Could be next. Could be next. Um, well, you know, good old Han oh. Solo. <laughs> but tune in next week, folks, when we do our comprehensive review of The Mandalorian. That's exactly what we lead I'm into say. season <laughs> into season three. Season we have, three. We have not done a rundown of the series of The Mandalorian, so I nominate that for our next one. We've talked about it a lot. We've done a review of Book of Boba Fett. We've talked a lot of things, but I think we need to talk about huh. the series of The Mandalorian. Dude, we literally started this podcast after, after. Season, season two ended. That's true. I'm sitting here going, it's impossible. But then, yeah, we did. When we did, did start it after season two. It came out in October of 2020. Yes, it did. That's right. One year. Yeah. And then we've been on hiatus. We didn't get it in 21. We did get no, Book of we Boba got Fett. Book of Boba Fett, which we comprehensively reviewed. And we enjoyed, <laughs> mostly. Uh, yeah, I mean. There were two episodes. It could have been a lot better. but The Mandalorian <laughs> episodes were really good. They were the best. <laughs> and we've talked a lot about the the impact of Grogu. And somehow some of these characters have filtered in. And, of course, the the success, you know, and the brain power that's in some of these uh, Star Wars streaming shows. 
but I do think we need to do a comprehensive recap of the first two series and then talk about episode one in our next episode. What say you? Okay. Yay or nay? Uh, oh, no, I'm totally for it. I figured that's what we were going to do next anyway. So Yes. And then, as we do when seasons end, we will do a full recap. Yeah, because we're not like, like a complete review uh, podcast no. here. <laughs> we'll give an up, give it a down. We'll give we'll give a grade. <laughs> we have fifty Easter eggs and things you didn't need or you, you might have learned in this episode. Uh-huh. I've watched yeah, many I, of these videos. Some of them are quite good. I find what culture or what track, and then Trek nerdist. Culture. Trek culture, Love and then Trek nerdist culture. who goes through every they comb through each episode and they that so is because they, they, they have a team it's an 50, act these guys it's their 50 job. easter eggs you've missed in picard season three episode one and i'm like what the fu- i don't have time to deal with this okay that's why i watch the videos <laughs> they tell me <laughs> i don't I, I don't have time to deal with that i mean i just like i don't care <laughs> i do there's there's things i it's helped me understand some of the things or go, you know what? That's why that was sticking out, and I couldn't figure it out. Why? And sometimes yeah. I just like to see that it's acknowledged. That I saw something, I'm like, oh, this this looks like a an homage to this. Hey, we thought you know, we looked through this, and we think this is an homage to this. <laughs> Apparently, there's a shitload of Twelve Monkeys references in this. Well, as there this. should be, because it's Terry Metalis, so. right? Right. I mean, nowadays you get a lot in TV shows and movies, you now get a lot more references to like people's previous shit. You know, when right. it's in like in Captain America Civil or uh, Winter Soldier, they have the, the Path of the Righteous Man written on Nick Fury's tombstone. I From Pulp Fiction. Oh, as part of his oh, feet, Ezekiel, yeah. whatever the path. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I'm so pissed that I missed that. Pulp Fiction, though, is such a wildly violent and vulgar film. It's good. It is, it's, it's brilliant just film. So good. It's just not something I can easily watch because I've got my wife would hate it, and I've got children that are around Amanda me all Plummer. the time. Oh yes, yeah, she was in. She was what, honey, honey something. Honey bunny. Honey bunny. She was oh, honey it was bunny. So annoying listening to Tom <laughs> Roth repeat the words honey bunny over and over again. <laughs> oh my god, that was one. Of, that's one of those things that like always weirded me out about Tim Roth. Yeah, well, Tim Roth is kind of a weirdo. Yeah, I mean, he played it up to full effect in in, in uh, She Hulk two. Glorious effect, by the way. Oh, sure. <laughs> hey, but, hey, we're all here. It's fine. <laughs> when he's like trying to calm down Bruce in that messed yeah. up season finale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that season finale was honestly unforgivable, I guess. <laughs> but it was just so damn entertaining. I, I, I don't care. You, I'm a Hulk. You're we a smash very, things. You're... We smash ceilings, we smash walls, and sometimes Matt Murdock. <laughs> you're a very forgiving watcher. Have I told you that? <laughs> Not always. I. You know, you, you, you've seen some of the sticking points. 
right now at times I want to go in and just tune my brain off a lot of times. Oh, sure. Yeah. I want to be able to laugh. That's why I am happy to sit and giggle at, you know, juvenile jokes in the reboot of, you know, uh, or the sequel series of the original Night Court. Are they hard-hitting, like, groundbreaking new comedy? No. Hell no. As long as, it, as long as it makes you chuckle. I am looking forward to... Here's, here's a couple of things coming up, non-sci-fi related, that I am looking forward to. History of the World Part 2 on Hulu. I think everyone is. <laughs> I mean, it's Mel Brooks. It's Mel Brooks, and it's got everyone in it. <laughs> everyone but if you watched his movies everybody was in them they were just they were just so far ahead of my time that I didn't know those people that were in him <laughs> ah. but I mean like all, all the all the ladies were like playboy bunnies in history of the world part one yeah. <laughs> especially in Rome and then you get Hugh, cameos by Hugh Hefner I mean, sure. Would you know who Shecky Green is? Probably nope. not. <laughs> Actually, I have a, I have a, I never got past the B. Arthur scene in History of the World. Part I'm on one. my wine break. <laughs> oh, a bullshit, bullshit artist. artist. Yeah, <laughs> philosopher. I'm a philosopher. Stand up philosopher. Stand up philosopher. <laughs> It was perfect. That was that was the quintessential B. Arthur right there. Why you, <laughs> it was. That's why she was great in on the family and in Maud, and she was amazing as Dorothy in the Golden Girls. She ah. was a great bucket of water. B. Arthur, U.S. Marine. No way, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Really? Yep. Was a truck driver. <laughs> Reached the rank of sergeant, I think, back in the. 40s holy shit i had no idea and had a great guest role on one of the classic futurama episodes amazon women in the mood or <laughs> otherwise known as the snoo snoo episode snoo snoo episode which i am pretty sure my son saw and we haven't talked about it he yeah. hasn't brought it up my kid hasn't, <laughs> my kid hasn't talked about it. we haven't shown that one yet it's not uncharted. You lost the chart. <laughs> that's one of my. That's one of Mrs. Cavman's favorite quotes to throw out there. Nice. Kip nice. is her favorite character. <laughs> oh, he's just a. He's just, everyone can relate and to Kip. That show is hopefully coming out soon. Don't know when. That's another Hulu product. Damn, King of the Hill, man. Is that coming back too? It is. It's coming back on Hulu. Mike Judge. <laughs> Off, he gave us office space and idiocracy I'll give him that <laughs> So yeah we got a lot to look forward to Of old and, epi- uh, old shows And here's another Sequel series coming out It's just been reported John Cleese and his own Daughter will be doing a sequel series To Faulty Towers The Faulty Towers yes I I saw the fire alarm episode of the Faulty Towers, but I I haven't been able to find the one about the Germans. Don't have, You've got to yeah. watch the Germans. I, I I haven't been able to find that one anywhere. That might. Don't be tell them about the, the war. No, it's don't mention oh, the war. 
don't mention the war. Thank you. Because I haven't seen the episode. I just. <laughs> it might be the funniest episode of the series, which, by the way, was 12 episodes. Right. But, you know, quality, not quantity. That's what the British do. Black Adder, my man. Yeah. <laughs> then you have like a show like Coronation Street, which has been on for like 30 years. So. Or you got like uh, Red Dwarf. Yeah. Which was on for two seasons and then off, and then it takes place the next year, thirty years later, twenty-five years later. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> well, speaking of time, you're and, out of it, and and everything, we are out of it. But uh, till next time, uh, be able to find us on Twitter at those sci-fi guys, Gmail. Uh, those type of guys at Gmail. Oh man, I'm losing my voice. Yes, you are. I got to I got to take a hit for my inhaler. Um, well, until the next time, you guys. Uh, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everybody. And we'll see you all on that comedic high ground, where our uh, technology does work as intended, because we know how to write it. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and PS McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow PS McKay on Twitter at PS McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.